This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And we got a big one today. Big, 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 big true crime special edition, as we call them here Absolutely. at TDPS. It is really a very special edition of one of our favorite topics. Just the crack of true crime television, Lori fucking Vallow. Lori fucking Vallow. We're going to be talking about the Netflix series Sins of Our Mothers, oh, which is three God. episodes available for you to stream. Once again, as we always say here, not a requirement to have seen the special. We're going to serve it up for you in such um, salacious and terrifying detail. Just hideous. That oh you will God, feel like you have watched it on your own. Um, this is a big story, so I think we should kind of get right into We should dispense with the pleasantries that we usually start with here at Christopher and Eric and kind of get right into it. Because This is one of the most depraved things I have ever, ever in my life encountered. I just... I just can't quite – still, I watch it with amazement every time I go back through this story. I don't know that there was a dramatic amount of new revelation. The no. point of view was new, and I thought that was really great. It it really starts out with her son, who's Colby. not really been a part of previous reporting. And you kind of see this from how her hideous behavior has impacted her actual family. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, Colby Ryan, Lori's son, is the anchor. He is the primary point of view of the whole piece. But we also hear and see from members of Lori's family who have not really been in the press that much prior to this. This story broke in 2019, and I think where we start with it is just as good a place to start with it as where the special does. In 2019, there was a Washington Post article that you sent to me, and I think the headline was something along the lines of, where are the children? It was the question on everybody's lips for months, where are those children? There was, and the article focused on a woman named Lori Vallow, Mm. uh, who had moved to Rexburg, Idaho from Arizona. With her new husband, um, Chad Daybell, and that her two, one of her, her biological daughter and an adopted son who was also special needs lived with her and nobody could account for those two children. Okay. So the situation was Lori had adopted um, JJ, I think his name was, from the uh, parents of her ex-husband, and we're about to find out what happened to her ex-husband too, who were elderly and could no longer care for J.J. It was like probably his nephew, yeah, right, I think? something like that. the child of his sister or sister-in-law, and his parents had wound up with custody of him, and then as they were getting older, they asked that Lori and Steve... What was his name? Ch- uh, the the oh, is, we, we'll get into. We should start. We'll get into we it. Yeah, it. we're getting off. We we need to. Yeah, yeah we, need we get to into it. But this Washington Post article was basically about this woman will not share any information about the whereabouts or location of these two young children that she is supposed to be caring and for. Everyone in the country is asking her. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get right into the story. Um, we are introduced to Lori Vallow's mother, Janice. Um, it's one of those prologues where they sort of... It was an interesting drink of water. She was very um, tan. She was quite a tan person. Uh, she tells us immediately, without introduction, that she's so angry at Lori that she can't think about who she is now and has to think about who she was then, which is clearly where this series is going she's to begin. She's had to put all of the pictures of her away because yeah. she can't. She won't throw them away because she knows they will one day be valuable to her, but she can't see them. She talks about how Lori was, I think, the second to youngest of her children. She was a darling little girl. Uh, the kids were all raised in the LDS church. Lori loved the Book of Mormon from the get-go. Your first warning. Uh, I think we meet Barry Cox, who is Lori's father, and he says Lori is still loved by her heavenly father, as are all people who've been influenced by Satan. And we never see him in connection with anyone else from the family, which I thought was unusual. Mm -hmm. I had the impression that Lori and Barry were no longer having anything to do with each other. As Eric Shawquin likes to say, there's a story there. There's some story there, and it's not in this particular piece. But suffice it to say, while both of her parents are in this, Lori's parents, I mean, they are not in it together. So exactly. I don't know where they stand, but that's kind of that's kind of all Barry really has to say about the whole thing. Uh, then we meet Colby, and that's Lori's oldest son. And he becomes the primary narrator, narrator yeah. excuse me, of yeah, the entire special. He's been a periphery of a lot of other reporting as because he's from he's her first son from her first marriage. She was ultimately married three times, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, two, no, yeah. three, four times. Chad was actually her fourth husband. Okay. Because 
he was the child of his the first marriage. Colby was that one didn't last, and then he, his stepfather was the horrible, abusive one. Right. Anyway, she gives birth to Colby when she's twenty two years old. His father is William Lagoia. Uh, they divorce pretty quickly. She remarries to a guy named Joey Ryan. Right, that's the abusive one. We interview a woman named Annie Cushing. I was c- unclear about this. Annie comes back a lot and has a lot to say. Is yeah. she Joe's sister? Yes. Because she says that she told Lori, if Joe was abusing you, you should leave him. Absolutely. Did I get that right? Yeah, okay, no, you, she you was heard that too. very much on Lori's side. Even though it was her own brother, she was not... It was not okay for him to be abusive, and she was very supportive of Lori leaving but, him. But maybe I'm confused because it also I wrote here: Joe is sweet and outgoing, and Colby loves him as a stepdad. Lori is pregnant with a little girl by Joe, and she's happy and delighted. And Ty Lee is the name they give the daughter. Right. Shortly after having Ty Lee, she enters the Miss Texas pageant. Mrs. Mrs. Texas. Te- Re- oh, Mrs. Texas pageant. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Not the Miss Texas pageant. <laughs> you had to be married to be. Yes. Did you have to be Mrs. married Texas. to Texas, or could you just? I be- have no idea what the qualifications yeah. are for the. I would not qualify, so I have not really pursued it. Yeah. At any level, but um. But, you know, you can't win if you don't play. <laughs> uh-huh. And speaking of playing, she also goes on Wheel of Fortune at this time, and we see a clip from that. And Annie tells us that Lori has a tendency even then to super-spiritualize everything, to act as if absolutely everything happening in her life is some direction from God or the Holy Father. And yeah, She's um, a really very religious person. By Colby's account, Joe, his stepfather, starts to get annoyed with everything he does. Colby claims that Joe doesn't teach him manners, but disciplines him constantly for not having anyone. He starts smacking him. And Lori admits to Annie, Joe's sister, that he's abusing her as well. So one day, Lori takes off with Colby, and Colby reveals that some of this abuse from Joe was sexual. And his mother went silent, and he feels like this is a point in her life where her perception of reality was broken and possibly never returned to normal. Um, we hear a recording of Lori accounting how she wanted to murder Joe for molesting her kids, plural now. So it sounds like Ty Lee was also a victim of the abuse. And this turned her to the Mormon church. She went to a bishop there and said, I'm going to turn my life to the temple or I'm going to commit murder. And around this time, we meet Lori's brother, Alex Vallow, who's doing an actual stand-up routine about how he tasered Joe in the nutsack and got probation. I'm sorry, Alex, that's not Alex Vallow. I'm using her married name yeah, for Yeah, that's her. Alex Cox. Cox. Alex Cox was her maiden name, and her brothers are named Cox. So we now we meet uh, Charles Vallow, who Lori met through a client at the hair salon where she was working. Charles, that's the one. Charles Vallow. That's the uncle of TJ. Right. JJ. Um, for Lori, Charles joins the church and quits drinking. He also offers her financial security she's never had before, and he has his own sons, and they integrate into the family. And in 2013, as you just pointed out, they adopt J.J. They don't really go into a lot about J.J. We know about J.J. from previous uh, coverage that um, he was, as you said, Charles's nephew. Um, right. J.J.'s biological parents were not capable of taking care of him. Yeah. He ended up with Charles's parents, his grandparents— and they were getting on up there in years. They live in Louisiana. And so Charles, uh, excuse me, Lori and Charles adopted JJ. Louisiana is no place to raise a child. Well, no, especially. <laughs> I'm proof of it. We're both proof of it. Living proof. Um, 
uh, Larry, we meet Larry Woodcock, who was JJ's grandfather. Um, it, this is how we got the whole story that I just recounted for you. Um, Colby says at this point in their life, the Church of Latter-day Saints is beginning to basically take over the house, meaning that Lori has become super religious. She's hanging pictures of Mormon temples everywhere. Um, in a recording that we hear, Lori reveals that she claims a spirit appeared to her inside the temple and told her and her husband to go to Hawaii. So they moved there in December of 2014. Um we interview a friend, uh, uh, Tylee made a friend there whose name I'm going to flummox. I believe it's a Polynesian name, Vaisa Itahanu. Uh, they talk about this blissful life that this family was leading at this time. Uh, she made a friend there named April Raymond, who was a single mother, and said um, there was a stigma attached to being divorced and LDS, and that Lori supported her very much because even though she had remarried, she was in fact a divorced woman herself who had remarried. Um, But during this time, Lori is starting to complain a lot about her husband, Charles, that she doesn't see him as her spiritual equal. Her beliefs are becoming more extreme. She claims to have had a personal encounter with the angel Moroni. Wow. Yeah, it's getting deep. Deep. Uh, The family returns to Chandler, Arizona for reasons that were not exactly clear to me in the special. I can't remember if there was a specific reason they left Hawaii, went back to... I think it had to do with with Charles' work, but I'm I'm not certain of that. I think it had something to do with changes in his his work and the need for him to be there. Uh, Around this time, Colby meets who he describes as a young emo girl named Kelsey Ryan, who he falls madly in love with. Uh, and with her, he goes to a Christian church. And when Lori finds out she loses her shit, she accuses Kelsey of taking her son away from him and away from the Mormon church. And Kelsey basically describes her as a monster-in-law. And uh, <laughs> when they do get married, uh, Colby and Kelsey, Lori will not allow Ty Lee, Colby's sister, to be present at the wedding. Uh, she sends her on a skiing trip. And it sounds like around this time, around the loss of her her darling baby boy to another woman, Lori starts to really lose her shit. And she becomes obsessed with apocalyptic fantasies. With the end time, she becomes a doomsday prepper. Um, Alex and Lori start listening to podcasts together, and they grow closer as brother and sister. But all of the podcasts are about this topic, right? Um, uh, she starts to become involved with a new sort of social group at her church. One of the members of it is a woman named Melanie Gibb. Another one is named Zulema Pastinas. Um, these are all people who share kind of a common belief that the end is near. It's, uh, it's not Book of Revelations because we're talking about Book of Mormon, but it's whatever their version of Book of Revelations is. Like, it's really close. There will be a select. There will be, you will be chosen. Yeah. 144,000 or whatever it is. The, yeah. And she's definitely one of them. And they're all trying, you know, getting ready for the rapture or whatever it's going to be. I don't know how that particular fairy tale works, but it's, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, it's some kind of... You'll all be relieved to know that the date that they were predicting has come and gone, and we're all yes. still here. So we're still here. 
it would appear that that wasn't it. Although the, Guess di- again. the date did fall sort of around the COVID pandemic, so I can see them getting their hopes up that that was going to be the end of the world. And well, then it was it in the middle out. of it. It was this yeah. past July, the 22nd. Right. So it's the 22nd of this last July. I think we actually had COVID at that time, so yeah. <laughs> we're recovering from it. So right. it was kind of a drag, but it was not the end of time. So. Thank God. Um, so it is around this time that Lori meets Chad Daybell, a name with which we will become intimately and horribly familiar. Oh, Chad Daybell is a podcaster. He sees himself as a kind of prophet. He's an author. He's an author. He is speaking. Gotta watch out for those writers. Authors are fucking nuts. He's speaking at a conference that Lori brings her own parents to. It's a Mormon conference. And uh, so we now get a so bit. Parents of, are allowed. No parents are allowed. We get a bit of history about Chad Daybell. In 1985, he entered his mission service to LDS. If you're not familiar with that, in New Orleans, we would see them all the time. There would be two sort of handsome, clean-cut and men. And pornography. Yes, and also in gay porn. Uh, white shirts, black slacks. They would go around on bicycles. They would knock on doors. They would want to talk to you about their mission and try to convert you to the church. the Book of Mormon and whatever else. He set baptismal records, Chad did, when he was doing this because he was so easily approachable. He was quiet. He was gentle. Um, And then as his story went, during this time, he went cliff diving in Flaming Gorge, Utah, and claims he had a near-death experience where that allowed him to look beyond the Flaming veil. Flaming Gorge? Flaming Gorge. That's, I couldn't have made that up. Yeah, that's, that's really... It's a, a real place. Yeah. He uh, Chad marries a woman named Tammy Daybell, who is vivacious and um, allegedly the first woman he ever dated. <laughs> I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. I think we rushed past the the change that happened to him after Flaming Gorge. Oh, he had a near-death experience and could see beyond the veil. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's well, what I, I said. That's, that's he, sort of, yeah. Yeah, he's, okay. he really believes. And I, they didn't go into details. Like, did he hit his head falling off the, or did he hit the water too hard? Or yeah, Something, it was not really clear, but it was some kind of head injury. And yeah, after that, and that's what I began to think watching this that it was that we're talking about traumatic brain injury that really as as an impact for this this set of behavior that we're going to begin to encounter from this point forward he believed he could see the future that he was prophetic he also began to have a very different view of himself that he was having direct mm-hmm. communications with divine beings and that he was somehow almost godlike in his own persona. That he could see you and see your ranking in the eyes of God. He believed there was 144,000 chosen ones who would be saved during the apocalypse, right out the storm in the New Jerusalem, and he could see 
how what your rating system was, which was on like, that metric. I'm sorry, rating system. Yeah. God has a rating system. Could I could I see the poster? Uh, he's basically casting himself in the role of Christ. Is what he's doing. He's leading people to Rexburg, Idaho, which he says is going to be the New Jerusalem. He starts publishing books, which he believes are scri- uh, scripture. Um, and he's creating his own religion. It's not Mormonism really anymore. It's no. like Daybellism. And Lori just becomes completely obsessed and smitten with him. That she begins appearing on his podcast. She begins doing her own podcast. But a part of Chad's belief system is that other people become possessed by demons, which turn them into zombies. And so Lori starts to say things to friends of hers that she believes other people she knows, other people in her life, possibly her husband, have been possessed by these zombies and that they're just sort of walking around in their human shells, but it's not really them. She's basically dehumanizing people in her life, people specifically like her husband about whom she has begun to complain and find irritating. So if you're irritating Lori, you're a zombie now. That's right. basically and how the not, logic right. goes. And that's kind of the, the way that these two begin to operate. They're so above it all that whoever doesn't really agree with them is somehow not got it going on. They're they're yeah. wrong or they're evil or they're demonic or they're zombies or they're in some other way, but they are not. And the only thing you really have to do to qualify for that is to not do what Lori and or Chad want you to do. And so, but Charles, her husband, Charles Vallow, begins emailing everyone in the family saying, listen, something's wrong with Lori, guys. This is what she's saying. This is what she believes. And they all dismiss him because almost simultaneously, Lori has told her family that Charles is cheating on her. But she doesn't ever seem to present any proof of this. But she begins to start reacting to Charles like a jilted, cuckolded spouse, right? Um, even though she's the one doing the cheating. Even though she has begun essentially an affair with Chad Daybell, who, by the way, is still married to Tammy Daybell. Right. The first They're both woman still married did. to other people, but they've clearly found each other. Um, she, uh, When Charles is out of town on a business trip, she cancels his flight home, has her brother Alex, who is in on all of this and doing all of her bidding and seems to believe everything she's believing, remove Charles's truck from the airport parking lot. And then go to the house and remove all of Charles's belongings, his clothes, his computer, his everything. Um, Charles calls the cops. We see the body cam footage from this interaction. He's telling the cops, listen, she's out of her mind, man. She's saying these things about zombies. What's and his the- name? She thinks his name is Nick Snyder or Ned yes. Snyder. It's- He's really Ned Snyder. He's been possessed by the demon Ned, Ned Snyder. Snyder. You know him, right? Right. He's very demonic, that Ned. Um uh, he goes to uh, JJ's school the next morning and confronts Lori. He manages to snatch her purse. There are details of this story, which I feel the special does not explore. I think this was a bigger fight than maybe was depicted initially in summary. Um, but the cops basically get involved, and they accept Lori's account of everything. She seems We see her on the video footage from the interrogation. Yeah, no, he's cheating on me and everything. It's just, you know, it's really hard. She doesn't seem that upset about everything. She's taking this tone of like stiff upper lip and, you know, I'm a survivor and I'm just going to deal with him. And yeah, he's just making shit up. 
And um, and the stuff he's saying is crazy because yeah. everything she's doing is crazy. And so if you tell people about it, you sound like the crazy one. She's not telling people that. She's making up all these tales about how he's cheating and all the problems are none of which is true. But they do do a psych eval. Whatever Charles tells the police does trigger some form of psych evaluation. It's a requirement. Uh, Lori agrees to do it and, and she passes it, whatever that means. She isn't committed as a result of it. And the cops have basically decided that Charles is nuttier than Laura, Lori is. Everybody has. The family has decided it. Charles just keeps saying she's lost her mind. I'm worried about, you know, what she's going to do with the children. I just, I don't know what to say. But she's, there's all of this stuff is just crazy. And I need people's help. And no one will help him. No one will help him except Lori has one brother who is sympathetic to his cause, um, and he, uh, Charles starts sharing the information that he is putting together with that brother. And the information includes that Lori is most certainly having an affair with Chad Daybell. Absolutely. And so Charles has they've Charles has moved to Texas. Uh, they're 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 going to get divorced. The marriage is pretty much over. Um, but he's worried about these kids who are still with Lori. Right. Um, so he tells Lori that he's going to contact Chad's wife. She tells him to stop. This is happening through text messages that we were seeing unfolding on the screen before us. Um, Adam Vallow, who is Lori's brother who is sympathetic to Charles, agrees to fly to Arizona to try to confront um, Lori and, and record her on his phone. Um, Charles is supposed to pick up JJ that morning that Adam is going to confront Lori. And then a 911 call comes in from Lori's other brother, Alex, who claims he got into a fight with his brother-in-law and shot him in self-defense. So somehow this big meeting, Charles was going to confront Lori, has ended up with Lori's accomplice brother the one who, shooting the Charles. The one who shot the other husband, the previous husband in the nuts with yeah. a taser, mm -hmm. shot and killed Charles in the living room of the house that Charles bought. Uh, we meet Justin Lum, who's an investigative reporter in Phoenix, who starts to describe how the local media slowly began to get drawn into this case around what looked initially like maybe a dispute between two people in the midst of a divorce, but started to look way fishier upon closer inspection. And so there's a lot of police camera footage, body cam footage of Lori showing up at the house after the shooting of Charles has happened, not looking nearly as upset as she should, saying, yeah, he was here earlier and we had words and I left. And then Alex went back in to get my purse. And it was it's just nobody is acting the, the way they should. It's really strange. And yeah, her descriptions don't really hang together. But she's a cute blonde hairdresser whose husband is cheating on her. And yeah. in the midst of this ugly divorce that resulted in somebody getting shot. And so they kind of come down on her side, I think, entirely because of how she looks and mm -hmm. presents herself. But the thing that is really worth noting about how she presents herself is that almost everything she says is a lie. Everything. Everything. A self-referential lie. Yes. I mean, she's living in an alternate reality. But there's no way... She's not telling these cops who are coming, I believe that they've all been possessed by zombies. No. She's telling them this lie that Charles is cheating on her when she is the one cheating. Right. The point of this delusion Everything for her is, is that it's lie. justifying all of her terrible behavior. That's really what's going right. on And here. she feels that it is okay then for her to deceive everyone else in the world so because she is the chosen of God or whatever it is. And... As a result, she's that justifies all of her behavior, but 
She's also fully aware that if she tells people that, they'll think she's crazy. So she makes up this very plausible lie, which she tells very consistently and almost continuously for months. And this is the part of the story. There's a lot to this story, but this is the part of the story that always sends a chill through my blood. She decides to notify Charles's other sons that he is dead by text message. And then she goes silent on them. And we see the text messages of them. Oh, my God, what are you saying? Well, my father's dead. What happened? And why are you not answering? And she's like, I'm very upset, too. I'm sorry it's taken me a while to get back to you. Like, this woman is just fucking... Narcissism doesn't contain it. No. You know what I mean? Sociopath. This is, I yeah. mean, this woman has absolutely no feelings for other human beings at all. Within a couple days, she files a claim on Charles's life insurance and finds out, uh-oh, She's no longer the beneficiary the life insurance of his one million dollar policy, uh, and then she tells Colby, her son, that she's moving. So the last time um, Janice, Lori's mother, sees her, Lori is packing. Ty Lee is very upset. On August thirtieth, twenty nineteen, they leave Arizona, and. Tylee seems to believe in her mother's paranoid delusions at this point. She seems to believe in Lori's implication that they are in danger. Um, Colby is distracted from all of this because his wife is pregnant. She's having some health issues, but he stays in touch with his sister Tylee by text message. Um, He writes something to her on her birthday, September 24th, and he describes her response as chilly and not capitalize the way she usually composes her text messages, suggesting that, is it not her, or has there been a personality change? It's the beginning of, where are the children? It really um, does begin here. She He has discovered that when... when um Lori told Charles, told Colby that Charles had died. She lied to him. She told him that he had a heart attack. She didn't tell him that Alex shot him. And Alex, after shooting the man, is questioned and then released. So they think it's perfectly okay in Arizona to shoot somebody else's husband in his mm-hmm. own house because yeah. you, you know, feel like that's the thing to do. Right. Um, and then off they go to um, parts unknown and. Colby is not does not know to react yet because all of the information he's getting from Lori is false. So Colby's wife, meanwhile, who is at this point has presumably had their I child. I want to be friends with. Well, stay tuned for the final chapter that's not in this special. <laughs> um, Colby's wife starts researching Lori's podcasts, and he finds she finds, excuse me, that the crazy thoughts expressed in them match almost exactly with the emails that Charles Vallow sent to the family before he was murdered, saying that Lori was saying all of this stuff in the home. And then it turns out Lori had made a ranking list of her own family, which included claims that some of them had dark spirits inside of them. Basically, if you didn't love her enough, you had a dark spirit inside you. And should be killed. Chad, in his podcast, is claiming that 20,000 people on Earth are zombies because they've been taken over by a dark spirit, and the only way to free their true spirit is kill their body. Which, there's nothing threatening about that. Yeah. That seems perfectly lovely. What a lovely religious thought. Jesus would be so proud. On October 9th, 2019, Tammy Daybell, meanwhile, up in Idaho, arrives home. This is Chad's wife. A man in a ski mask shoots at her. She screams and calls for Chad. Chad goes and talks to the suspect, 
She alerts her neighbors of the incident via email. Then on October 19th, 2019, Tammy dies at the age of 49. She's a healthy woman who dies mysteriously at home. And it just so happened there was a $430,000 life insurance policy on her, and Chad is the beneficiary. <laughs> this is where the story is like. There's so many other pieces to the story that we know about, and I think the special sort of didn't focus on them as much as we start to focus in on the children. Where are the children? Okay. Where are the children? We're now November 29th. Nobody has really seen or heard from the children since early that fall, September. So JJ's grandparents have entered the chat. They have not heard from JJ. They have not heard anything substantive from Lori about what's going on with their children or where they are. And Kay, um, Charles's mother and JJ's grandmother, manages to get into Charles's Amazon account and sees that Lori is placing orders in his account to have things mailed to her in Rexburg, Idaho. So, so that's, that's how, how she they, gets her address. That's how they get her address. The local police are contacted and they go out to do a welfare check. A detective named Ray Hermosillo makes contact with Alex Vallow and Chad Daybell. Chad falsely states that J.J. is with his grandmother in Louisiana, which... The grandmother is the one who plays the welfare check, so that's a really terrible cover story. Yeah, but um, just lying just without absolutely any sort of inhibition at all. And then Lori, they finally find Lori, and she tells them that J.J. is with her friend in Arizona, who is one of her earlier kind of radical church Melanie, friends. Who Melanie, who she used to do the um, podcast with. Yeah. Um, the, the And so we get Melanie... Finds this out and calls Lori and manages to get her on the phone and is like, what are you, why are you saying this? And Lori is just, I mean, I don't see why you would want to hurt me, Melanie. I don't, I don't you know, you seem to be, you seem to be against me and challenging me. It's just rank narcissism. And Melanie is saying, I don't see how it benefits anyone for you to lie and tell people that your children are with me in Arizona when they're clearly not. Like, and she's nicer about it than I would have been. You know, I got to get her some credit. Um... So now it's on. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences, the page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And 
While it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. So it's November 2019, and it's starting to become clear that nobody knows where these damn kids are. Nobody. Lori and Chad are lying. Well, they're the only ones who do know, and they won't tell. Yeah, they won't tell. So the word uh, gets out into the media, and I think that's when the Washington Post article I mentioned yeah. happened. And you this told is me right about around the, story. the time that we started talking about the story. It was just Dateline, I think, picked up on it. And right. It started to be a thing. So um, Colby starts posting emotional video appeals to his mother, trying to get her to, uh, you know, disclose where the children are, what's become of them. As a result of all this attention, people are saying, okay, you've got these two people who were clearly in an extramarital affair previously. And both of their spouses are dead right. within like two weeks of each other. The circumstances of Charles's shooting now look far stranger than they did to law enforcement at the time, although I think they should have looked way stranger to them at the time. So they decide to exhume Tammy Daybell's body. At almost that exact moment, Alex Vallow... The Lori's brother, who shot Charles, who has been doing her bidding right and left, dies mysteriously. Just, that's it. And they, they, they say the cause of death is thrombosis, blood clots in the lungs, which I guess his mother says there was some family history of, but he hadn't suffered from health problems before. It was the most kind of strange thing ever. Just And then he was dead. And right after telling, there, there was this whole thing where they were began marrying people off as part of their mm -hmm. journey to be part of the 144. And they told this woman that she had to marry Alex. Yeah. And uh, he told that woman at some point that he thought he was being set up as a fall guy. A for, fall guy for this insanity. Didn't say exactly what, but... So you've got... The, you're, you're Chad and Lori, right? The whole country wants to know where your damn kids are. Their response, rather than I'm going to hold a press conference or I'm going to retain legal counsel, is... They fly to Hawaii and get married. And they get married. When they get married, Lori is wearing a ring that she ordered off Amazon using Charles Vallow, her slain husband's account. So now things are getting really weird. And this is when I remember us watching Dateline. This is when Dateline got involved in the case, right? People found them in Hawaii. There's footage of them just marching primly past the cameras. And where are your kids, Lori? Where are your kids? Dateline found them in Hawaii yeah. and did a whole special on them, following them around, asking them where their kids were, right? Showing where they were staying, showing their address, giving out their phone number. She gets pulled over on the island. They subject her car to a search warrant. They don't turn up anything suspicious, but Lori is given a deadline to produce her missing kids. The court says, put up or go to jail. She fails to comply, and she is fucking arrested. Finally. It was the happiest day of my life. Um, her bond hearing- it wasn't, but I was really happy. You were very it. happy. Everybody who followed the case was very happy. So in Rexburg, Idaho, she has her bond hearing on March 6th. March 6th, excuse me, 2020. I mean, what timing, right? <laughs> Ten days later, the world would be closing down for the coronavirus pandemic. But we managed to get Lori. That's all that mattered. Um- she walks into the courtroom and the family's there and she just smiles at them like nothing's wrong. Like this is all some, you know, She whatever. looks like the Joker. Yeah. She's got makeup on, bad makeup. Weird makeup on. Yeah. And she just looks like the Joker has walked in and she's 
you know, her Colby went to see her and it just yeah. could not fathom what the hell was going on. Her bail is set at $1 million. Uh, the, that night, the night of the bond hearing, Colby calls her in jail and she starts bringing up the story of Abraham and Isaac. Now, if you don't know the story of Abraham and Isaac, that is from the Bible. And it is when God orders, um, I think it's Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, who is his son. Did I get the names there right? I'm not big on the Bible. Um, It's a test of faith, and God retracts the instruction at the last minute. Yes, but but Abraham shows willingness to actually do this heinous thing if that's what God wants. Then she tells him the kids are fine. Which is kind of hideous. Then she tells him the kids are fine. That she keeps hitting that refrain. They're fine. They're fine. The kids are fine. But in her crazy-fevered religious little brain, dead is fine. Yeah. It's May 2020, and Lori's sister and mother go on TV to defend her, which Lori's mother now tells us in this special was a terrible mistake, that they were absolutely wrong to do it. But they just couldn't believe, nobody could believe that Lori would hurt those kids. Nobody could believe it until... Investigators get access to Lori's iCloud account where they find an image of Alex, JJ, and Ty Lee taken on September 8th, 2019 at Yellowstone Park. Police verify that they were there that day and they were traveling in Alex Vallow's truck. A lot of names here, so I'm just going to remind you that is Lori's brother who shot Charles Vallow. The FBI has Alex's cell phone after his death, and they use data to trace his steps that day to Chad Daybell's property. On the 9th of September, he was in Chad Daybell's backyard for two and a half hours. 14 minutes after, he leaves the Daybell house and Chad texts Tammy. And the text is really this elaborate cover story. I was on the property and I shot a raccoon and there were some leaves that I needed to burn in the fire pit. And I, I, I buried the raccoon in the pet cemetery. So, you know, if you're just, you know, hanging around the property, you're going to notice all of this stuff. And it's incredibly suspicious. Meanwhile, the search is unfolding on the property, and Chad is watching it from, like, the side of the road. And in the middle of the search, he just fucking takes off. Like, he just runs for it. He gets in his car and speeds away. And, I don't know, moments later, they find human bones and charred tissue near the fire pit in the pet cemetery. And they begin digging, and they find... And I think it's worth noting, they chase him down and stop him and yeah. bring him back to the damn property, and they find human remains at the... Um... What do you think was going through his head? Like, I'm going to stand here and watch this search, and God is going to save me before they find these two bodies? Because, spoiler alert, that's where we're headed. They find the bodies of the two children buried in the pet cemetery oh, on the property. So the detail of when they found the little boy, he was still wearing... His red pajamas. That yeah. there was there was a moment when somebody is telling the story of being in the room when Alex comes back with JJ, mm-hmm. and JJ is just zonked out and over Alex's shoulder wearing the red pajamas, and the person said they think he was actually dead yeah. when he carried him back into the house. They were just carrying him around like a side of beef or yeah. a sack of flour. I just They had used this delusion to dehumanize their own children. And that's what we later they told the story I think to that same individual who was there to record a podcast who then testified later at Chad's preliminary hearing that that there's a zombie in my kid. He crawled all over the place and he was tearing down my pictures of Jesus. This is a story Lori's telling him. And right. it's like, he's crawling all over the place. He's a child. He's also a child with special needs. He's on the autism spectrum. Right. 
And the heartbreaking thing that they said that um, her ex-husband's sister, who was still in her life, um, says was she was worried that because part of JJ's condition, he would he would engage in repetitive phrases. He would say the right. same thing over and over again. And so if he was behaving, forgive the comparison, like a parrot, and he was saying something about their past actions that was going to give them away or that was seen by them he as was taunting them. To them yeah. He was a danger to them. It's just hideous. So they find his body on the property. He's still wearing those pajamas, as you said. They said that the, both of the children were dead within a month of arriving in Idaho. Yeah. And this is, you know, considerably after. This is after they've been brought back from Hawaii the following years, and they're digging up the property. So this is a long while. And so, you know, despite three episodes here, we're still kind of at the beginning of this story. We have not had a trial yet. August 21st, 2020, Daybell pleads not guilty to all counts. A grand jury indicts Lori and Chad on murder charges. Daybell's also charged with Tammy's murder. The causes of death for the children have not been released to the public. Lori was found competent to stand trial on April 11th, 2022. She was certainly competent to lie about everything. So in 2023, which we're recording this podcast in 2022, but in 2023, they are going to stand trial together in a joint trial in Ada County, Idaho, and prosecutors will be pursuing the death penalty. And much to their disappointment, the end of times did not come this past July 22nd, and so they are actually going to have to stand trial. Just the most horrific, heinous, just everything is wrong with this story. The, The perversion of anything that might be good in religion, the... The insanity of getting too bought into mm-hmm. those kinds of in- fables right? of how to live your life, the heartlessness of this woman, the prejudice of our own society, mm-hmm. like yeah. everything about this story just makes me want to scream. And it was, I got to experience it through Colby's, from the sideline, through her own son's kind of point of view. And it was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It really, I saw, it was the first time I ever felt anything other, because everything else has been presented about, this is the story of Chad and Lori. And Mm -hmm. you could run over them with a steamroller on camera, and I wouldn't care, you know. But to see the impact on the other members of their own family, the people who love those children, the people who who cared about them. I, I have always been touched about the grandfathers mm-hmm. wishing that he could have hear JJ mm-hmm. say hi, Pawpaw, one more time. That right. that has always been touching, and it's been a part of many of the the recountings of the story. But Colby was so ripped up that mm-hmm. this was his own mom. This was the person who he was most trusted in the world. Yeah. Um, there's a sad chapter in addition to the special. There's a news story that came out afterwards. Shortly after this uh, special aired, Colby's wife accused him of rape. They actually, they were are estranged now, which is upsetting given that they are seen as such a couple at the end of this, such a rock for each other. He was visiting her. She accused him of rape. The charges have been dismissed with prejudice, which I think means the prosecutor is reserving the right to possibly file charges against him again. Not the chapter you want to introduce into the lives of all of these people after everything they have collectively been through. So more on this story as it develops. So they broke up and he came back to visit and they forced were, himself on her? No, they were, but they were having what began as an amicable visit. And then she claims 
that it started to get intimate and she didn't want to go any further and he forced himself on her. He oh, essentially raped her. God. And so I, I, I hate talking about it, but it's it's common knowledge and it's out there. And Netflix was like, you know, the question was, is Netflix going to pull the special? But it's like as if any more awful can be associated with the, the that collective. Just, that's heartbreaking. Trauma of all these people. So, um, but. The, with prejudice means you cannot refile your case ever. Oh, I, I got it. Well, then it Without might... prejudice means that you can refile your case at a later date. Okay. Well, let's let's let me make sure I didn't reverse it. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't know which it was, but that's the that's the way. Um, but even that that's where they have arrived. That's heartbreaking. It breaks my heart again because it was sort of the last shred of humanity left. Yeah. Because they had had a child and they were very fond of the child and it was a very loving, you know what I mean? They were being mm-hmm. presented, put forward as this very sort of, and it was like, oh, thank God, life can go on. To think of them as ending in such an uh, such a place of ugliness and, and anger. The charges have been dismissed without prejudice, which allows the office to file yeah. charges in the future and provides time for additional review of the case. So it's not hardly a, a settled it's not, matter. It's not it's a settled matter. matter. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. There we are. Um, this, I mean, this trial, I I, this is going to be, I, I, you're right. I've never been as riveted by a case as this because I have never, what I'm, this is what I'm ready for. And I say this with caution is I'm ready for. The jailhouse interview, which I usually hate because they're exploitive and they're manipulative, but it's time for someone to start trying to crack at this woman's skull. Like, is and I think the combination of prison time and realizing there's going to be no avoiding this trial may begin to do it because I need to hear how she's going to articulate this bullshit having been found basically that she's murdered her fucking kids. I mean, right. due process and all that. But and she's like, lied so consistently. Lied so consistently. So artfully. She's clearly not insane. Been separated from Chad for an extended period of time so they can't feed each other's delusions. But also, um, more importantly, the doomsday date arrived and passed and it didn't happen. So how do you explain yourself now? I'm ready for that jailhouse interview. I am. I wonder if there will be a trial. What do you think will happen? She'll deal at the I last minute. I think that somebody will deal, and wow. that they will, and that they. I think one of the two of them, probably her, hmm. will fold, and they will turn on each other, and they will both strike deals, and there will be some kind of resolution that does not involve them actually going into court because this is not the sort of case that you can present in court. Well, we were just following the directors of the, the directives of the angel Moroni is not a recognized defense, even in Idaho. No. Like, so I really think that even like these people are wily criminals who have been lying to everyone. So even they know perfectly good and well that unless short of divine intervention, there is no way out of this other than making a deal with a prosecutor to, mm-hmm. you know, not be thrown in whatever chamber well, they I, kill people I in. I wonder Idaho. if what you mentioned earlier, if Chad Daybell's head injury will start to play a role in it, if he'll tra- claim traumatic brain injury. I honestly have to think, because there was such a big shift in him after that, that maybe that's going to be a part of his... 
Like, I don't know what excuse you can make for her. She was a hairdresser, so maybe all those strong chemicals. Mm. We should watch out for the people dyeing our hair, but mm-hmm. I don't think so. I've yeah. a lot of really good friends who are hairdressers, and none of them are killing their children or... Do you do, here's my question for you, Eric Sharquin. Do you think that she could have used anything else the way she used religion? Do you think she could have used um, I don't know? Name your conspiracy theory. Name your crazy. Do you think she could have the elaborateness of the delusion, the comprehensiveness of it? Because of our sense of religious freedom, our mm-hmm. belief that people are allowed to believe what they want, right? I think there isn't anything as effective as that because we don't tend to question other people's religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. Like the only, like, as I always say, believe whatever you want, but the minute you start trying to enforce your beliefs on me, you're going to have trouble because I don't, I don't give a shit what it says in your book Mm -hmm. of crazy. Yeah. You know, like this is my life and I will live it my way. You're welcome to apply whatever rules to yourself Mm -hmm. you want to apply, but don't mess with me about it. That's the only time that I really have a problem with somebody else's this But this is kind of where that becomes, you know, this is the the boundary of that, like claiming that I I don't think it would work as a defense because you Mm -hmm. still killed your children and, you know, religious epiphany is not a recognized defense. So I don't think that that's ever going to play off. But I cannot honestly believe any other place, any other way in which you could justify killing your own children and then going to Hawaii uh, on the insurance money. the man who suggested that you do it. Right. I just, that's a part of, like, I guess some sort of extreme cult behavior Mm -hmm. might be the same, the sort of, but Jim Jones was religious, ultimately. Those often, I don't know that I, I don't know that I know a place where this kind of over the, top um, justification ever comes in. Like, where else do we, what other aspect of any culture do we hear a story to equal Abraham and Isaac? I think that's a good point. I I think that there can be conversations about pop psychology and mental illness that can approach this level, um, but you usually hear it out of the mouths of people who are trying to justify bad behavior in interpersonal relationships. Right, like, like cheated. I or... cheated on him because he's such a narcissist. Terms get thrown around that are not well-defined. I was pursuing my own bliss, yeah, whatever. Right. Those kinds of things, but I killed my children so but I could have more time with this lunatic. Here's the thing. Lunatic. She, was, she was this religious zealot, but nothing about this plan, I think, would have unfolded the way it did if she did not lie about her husband having an affair. Fair. Like, that's the thing. She didn't just start going to a mountaintop and start preaching about all this stuff. She was crafty enough to try to disqualify her her husband in the eyes of her in-laws. All of her accusers. And they they ignored the warning signs because of that. I mean, that moment that, that Kelsey, Colby's wife, has later where she finally, only then, does she go... To actually, well, what is Lori fucking talking about on these religious podcasts? Oh, my God, it's this. Oh, my God, it's the exact same thing Charles was saying in his email. She really was believing this stuff. Nobody in the family was paying any attention to Lori's podcasts. 
I'm not trying to blame the family, but I think it's it's a testament to her ability to misdirect. It is the thing that I, you know, I have been saying is like we have the tendency not to question other people's religious mm-hmm. beliefs because they are their personally held beliefs. But I think, just as I also said, it's like it's when you start telling me how I have to live right, yeah. that I have a problem with. That's where I see the boundaries. There's there is a religion. There is a local religion, or claims to be a local religion that disqualifies people. Yeah, totally. It just says, no, these people are no longer there. I forget there's some initials they give mm-hmm. them. Right. Um, like if the wife splits up with the husband of somebody who's a part of this religion, they are, mm-hmm. they are you know, uh, shunned or out of whatever. That turns into a place of like, okay, so you're better yeah, or judging right. or there's casting no judgment on other people. Way. That, that moves out of a religious sphere for me. That There is no way... When somebody tells you that they believe you're going to hell, there is no way that I cannot interpret that as an act of violence or as an intent to commit violence against someone. If you're actually telling somebody else that you think they're going to burn in hell for all time, that's a desire to do violence to someone. And you're too chicken to do it yourself, which is probably a good thing. So your almighty is going to do it for you. It's, but it's just also hostile. judging somebody by your own choices for yourself. Like, mm-hmm. make whatever choices you want, but... Leave but, other people out of it. But nothing, nothing could possibly justify. This is a criminal couple who right. would put Bonnie and Clyde to shame. Yeah. Who used religion in a way to justify to themselves their behavior, but made it clear that they were not insane or delusional because they wove together such a tissue of lies yeah. as to cover up all of their behavior. If they were so fucking proud of it, if this was their religion, they should have proclaimed when asked mm-hmm. that they murdered the children because they had been possessed by demons and they were freeing their spirits from their zombie bodies. Yeah. Like, it may have still wound them up in the same place, but I would have more... I would believe more in their religious conviction if they yeah. were willing to do it, right? right. Daniel didn't deny um, his God before they to prevent himself from being thrown into the right. the, uh, the the den of lions or mm-hmm. whatever. He actually stood on his faith to do it, and these people lied every time anybody asked them about anything mm-hmm. to discredit anybody who might question their incredibly questionable behavior. So, right. uh, it, it is. It is an endlessly fascinating case to me for that for that reason that these are and this is the worst possible scenario for people claiming the um the protection of their religion the religious freedoms as a sort of get out of jail free card literally uh, well I mean it's incumbent upon religious people to define how they're going to be able to practice their religious freedom without oppressing people who are not members of their religion and they haven't done it yet you know I think that's a big part of what we're dealing with like your attempts to outlaw gay marriage are not you exercising your religious freedom that's you thrusting your beliefs into right. the public square that's exactly what I'm I saying I don't actually care you can practice what you believe about abortion and about gay yeah, marriage but I'm not obligated to I'm not a member of your don't have an religion. abortion, don't yeah. marry somebody of the same sex, but don't tell me what I can do. Right, exactly. Like that's That, to me, moves into the the realm of religious persecution. Do not punish other people who are not who do not believe as you believe. That the, is not the, religious freedom. You know the origin story of Mormonism, right? Like, you've heard it before, right? Young man is under pressure to join a church, doesn't want to, goes out into the wilderness, claims to find these tablets that he can never show anybody else, and it writes up his own religion that's basically suited to his 
his beliefs and says he should have a lot of different wives. That's I'm sorry, but that's like the origin story of Mormonism. I think that's included in the musical, The Book of Mormon. So it's a very convenient belief system to my eye. I honestly think all of them are. Yeah, totally. Like I, I, I think it's fun if you describe pretty much any religion in those kinds of realistic terms, it becomes a little absurd. Mormonism mm. is an easy target, but they're all kind of preposterous. Yeah. It's just, totally. I'm sorry, this is, um, you know, you're being a fabulist. You're, yeah. you're making this up. This is, that's an interesting theory, but there is no evidence for that. And, mm -hmm. you know, why not just believe in sort of a divine um, presence in the, in the creation of all of this and leave it at that. Why do there have to be all these stupid, judgmental, negative rules? They, the thing is, God created the universe and then he hated almost all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. And wanted to kill it's it. It's this experiment that got out of hand and like, he wants it to stop. So this yeah. is a testament to what a jerk God is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just, I can't, why would anybody believe in such a pusillanimous God is idiot? an absentee Landlord, you've seen the Devil's Advocate, yes, yeah. Seen okay, it. that's all right. Whatever. Um, all right. You know, we could do multiple episodes about Lori Vallow, and we probably we, will be, and we have done. Yeah, this is not our first Lori Vallow turn. Yeah, is it not? Have no, we done one before? We did the the Dateline. We did we? All I, right. We either talked about it or did it. I, we we yeah, talk, it was, talk about yeah. her a lot. We talk yeah, about she her. She is. It is. This is, and I can. I think it is because of the like. I think it's the reason I compared it to John Bonet. It is the idea of parents killing their own children mm -hmm. is just that just really mm -hmm. <laughs> that's hard to step back from yeah. you can't really why would anybody do this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. neglect or whatever yeah that uh, just it's a horrible case it's heartbreaking um yeah, so more horrible next week. <laughs> no, I think this is we do we every other yeah, week we do true. horrible. So next week we'll try and find something a little on the lighter side. A no promises because it's still going to be us. But exactly, um, you know, there may be cray pung, but at the but. The effort will be to find a lighter topic than Lori Vallow. It won't be hard. That's not a big Not going to be hard. That's not a big reach, even if we do um, the Jack the Ripper. I don't think it would be. A, it might be still lighter than this horrible woman. Yes, absolutely. All right. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.